0: You're hitting a game winning home run on this incredible field. And Kevin Costner is there. Right. <laughs> and Joe Buck's calling the game. Well, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels Podcast, episode 25. Who you got, Mike Trout or Shohei Otani?
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels podcast. My name is John and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike and that's my brother John. And we are two lifelong fans of the Angels who happen to be brothers. And Uh welcome to another uh, episode you guys. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you. First of all, can we uh, take care of business up top here? Please do. All right. so if you want to follow us on social media, follow, follow us at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. And if you uh, want to follow
0: us, you know you want to. You follow know you want to follow
1: us, and uh, <laughs> uh, please make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to like, rate, and review the podcast. We love getting your reviews; it really helps us out and helps us climb that baseball uh, podcast charts for Apple Podcasts. We've been we've been charting every week, my friend. We're gonna break that glass ceiling. That's right. Don't know what the glass ceiling is, but we're gonna break but it's it. It's there. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so uh, this episode's going to be a good one. We've got a mailbag later on in the episode that we're excited mm-hmm. about. Um, lots of stuff to break down this episode. So uh, without further ado, Mike, you want to jump in on this one? Can we talk about my boy, Reed
0: Detmers? Oh, baby. Who finally got his first Major League win, and I... Loved it. I've been a huge fan of Reed since the beginning. Yes, you can go back and listen to almost every episode when I talked about Reed Detmers, and even when we jumped on the episode, the podcast with Halo Haven, I was, I was toot tooting Reed Detmers' horn and Reed had a great start. Six innings, six Ks, and something that I really. uh loved about what madden said about detmers after the game was this he said detmers got better as the game went on and the reason why he got better was because he was extending his arm Mm. and the way that he explained it was reaching out towards the catcher you know like when you when you bowl and when you're done bowling you're supposed to like almost shake hands with the pin or Mm at least your hands should be up like in a handshake position. He was saying that Detmers was doing the same thing, except he was reaching out towards the catcher. And he also said that the curveball that he was throwing had an incredible bite to it.
1: I only ever throw the, the bowling ball between my legs, so I don't know, oh. I don't know about the handshake
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't know either. I get the metal ramp, and I just push it down the metal ramp. <laughs> the bumpers. And, and yeah, and the bumpers are great. So, But I love that, re- that Reed was actually – Looking confident in that game. And Madden also said the curve that he was throwing, he actually made an in-game adjustment. Mm. And I, I I love that. I think that shows maturity. Madden, I loved his word. He said there was still some funkiness in his delivery right. that Matt Wise is gonna meet with him and talk about, and they're gonna work that out. So I love that in the mid-game, right in the middle of the game. He made the adjustments. I love that he saw what he needed to do and he did it. And first Major League win. And I just want to give
1: Reed Detmers a standing ovation. Woo-hoo! Every day is Detmers Day, my friend. I don't even care if he's uh if he's not starting or not. It's every day is Detmers Day. If I told you that your first three major league starts were gonna be against Oakland, the Dodgers, yeah. and the yeah. Astros you would turn right around and say, let me go back to triple (laughs) a. Right. And the fact that he brought it against the Astros and looked really good, totally deserved that win. And I think it was just nice to see him be settled down a bit. Uh, I noticed at the game that I went to the very first Detmers day that the pitch count was, was creeping up early Mm -hmm. and and that Mm -hmm. is not a problem exclusive to Detmers. That is an angels problem through and through. And yes. I hope that he can get on top of that. Yeah. It's just awesome to see him get a win against a tough team after going against two other playoff contenders as well. So wow. yeah, it is what it is. I, I'm I'm excited right. about the future of this rotation, especially with him in there. So
0: absolutely. And and since we're talking about pitching, let's talk about the Angel Ace. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not talking about Alex Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Shohei Otani. Gotta and talk about Otani. Our last episode, episode 24, we actually had a spontaneous discussion about is Shohei, well, for sure, the MVP, but is Shohei in the running for Cy Young? And so you gave some really great thoughts, but this week we decided that we would put some extra thought into that. So, yeah. John, let's let's talk that through. Let's make a case for Shohei Otani not only being the MVP, but also the Cy Young in 2021.
1: Well, he's got MVP locked down between what he's doing at the at the plate and on the mound. That's I a agree. given. Uh, I agree. But we we thought, hey, Cy Young potential here. Yeah. And I think the the biggest case against him is maybe the number of innings pitched, maybe okay. a win loss record. I know that win losses aren't as valuable as they as they once were, yes. but if we're going to make the case for Otani, Mike Shohei has the lowest ERA since July 1st with a minimum of 30 innings pitched. Wow. Some comparisons that you can, you can make there. Uh, Jameson Talian has a 1.25 ERA Walker Bueller, who we had to face, uh, a few days ago, a 1.62 ERA Shohei sits at 1.69. So he, Unreal. since first since July 1st has ranked among the best in terms yeah. of ERA since July 1st. What else yeah. you got?
0: So his current ERA right now is 2.93. That's 12th in the American League. And his mm. uh, walks and hits per innings pitched is 1.09. That's wow. 17th in the AL, which is actually impressive, yeah. right? Because he really struggled with walking people totally. his first few starts. And... He is starting on Wednesday for the Angels, and so he can improve on these numbers and currently sits before the start on Wednesday with 126 innings pitched, or he's on pace for 126 innings pitched, and he's on pace to strike out 154 batters this year.
1: Dang. Unreal.
0: Unreal. Now, I think, and we talked a little bit about it last week, but I think that his greatest competition is Lance Lynn. Yeah, definitely. Lance is 10-3. and And he's got a league leading 2.26 ERA. His war, 4.4. He's leading the league in ERA plus, which adjusts a pitcher's ERA to the ballpark. It actually could benefit them or it actually could hurt them, depending on if it's a pitcher's park Mm -hmm. or if it's a hitter's park. So his ERA plus is 190, which is remarkably Mm -hmm. good. And so I think that's his greatest competition. Not just because of the stats that Lance is putting up. I think it's his greatest competition because the White Sox are just really stinking good.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you have that offense behind you, you just go out there and you're confident. And uh, I, I and, and you don't have the Angels bullpen coming in after you. <laughs> right, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I, I really like the case that we're making here. I think if you were going to get some ticks against Otani, again, it would be the number of starts... Uh, maybe the length and how many innings pitched that he ha- has had so far and, and where yeah. that might go. 126 yeah. is nothing to to sneeze at, so yeah. that's that's pretty remarkable and, and on pace for 154 strikeouts. Um, but I also know that the, he doesn't go, and, and this isn't necessarily a Shohei problem, but it, more of a Madden thing. Shohei doesn't go deep into games. It seems no. like he's out around the sixth inning, maybe the seventh. Yeah. And I don't know why that is because he f- seems fully capable of, of going into the 7th or the 8th most days. So I think if there's going to be any ticks against him, it might be the the length of his starts and, and that sort of thing. I also think, too, that um, I think baseball writers are coming around to the idea of, of the metrics, the analytics that really show you what a pitcher is capable of. And yeah. when you think about his war and how strong that is, uh, the the swings and misses he gets on his stuff and how nasty his pitches are. And I know that those aren't necessarily the results, but they're indicative of results, right? Yeah. He has the ability yeah. to get guys out. He has the ability to make guys swing and miss. And so, uh, yeah, those are some things that I think are are uh, in favor of Otani if, if baseball writers... Tend to lead, lean more analytical, but we all know that they they certainly love their wins and losses and their ERAs they do. and things they like do. that. So yeah, it's yeah. not. I I don't want to sit here and think that you and I like oh Shohei's a lock like he oh, is sure. for MVP. Sure. But just for the sake of fun, it is kind of fun to speculate. Yeah, Could absolutely. the potential for Sho- Shohei to win the Young be something that could actually happen? So Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, so one random thought and then a question for you. Okay. Uh, the random thought is you've dropped some remarkable cliches so far. You said nip it in the bud and nothing to sneeze at. So that was great. I'm proud of you. Um, and so <laughs> then also the question is, do you think that Shohei's innings have been a bit limited by Madden intentionally because— mm. He's tired because he is playing because he is DHing. Do you think that Madden feels this obligation to? Yeah, you know what? He's at 90 pitches. He's gone six innings. He can get the wind. Let us pull him out.
1: Yeah, you know, the, I think that as much as the 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 chains have come off, the gloves have come off for Otani this season. There's still some fragility around how they treat him and sure. he's had his moments where he definitely is obviously tired we had yeah. that start with the dead arm that he was able to work through there are instances where he has to go to the outfield there are games where he's pitching and hitting I think I don't, I can't remember the last time he just pitched it had to be early this season but uh, yeah. yeah so I, I think that there is some sensitivity around not wearing him out not exhausting him um, maybe Joe trusts the bullpen more than than we might and then we've observed. Um, yeah. so I, I think that that definitely plays the Joe Madden factor is definitely okay. in play here. I okay. was looking up I was looking up a stat while we're on the topic of Otani. And dude, I was so frustrated along with the rest of Angels Twitter uh, on Monday night when we were playing the Yanks. and uh-huh. nothing nothing against the Yankees. This is not a a Yankee problem. This is purely, an umpire problem. There were so many instances last night of Shohei getting a pitch outside and it being called a strike. And it was so frustrating because it changes the entire scope of his at bat. He has to go from attack mode to defense mode. And so I tweeted like, why does this keep happening? And our good friend, uh, Kyle Kishimoto, who has emerged as one of the best angels analysts this season he's killing it on twitter and he came up with the stats of the quote-unquote getting screwed by umps percentage okay okay (laughs) out of a technical term yeah out of (laughs) 177 hitters with at least uh 1250 pitches seen this year otani ranks 56th in the quote getting screwed by umps percentage so he's been unlucky, but not the most unlucky. Jose Iglesias actually ranks 17th, which I thought was Oh, funny. wow. Huh. Uh, and then it turns out that the Angels actually rank 6th in the league in that category, taking— Oh, wow. Uh, uh, the, the perc- they rank 6th in the highest percentage of called strikes that were outside the zone. Uh, he looked at Otani individually, and Kyle said he had 48 pitches out of the zone— that were called strikes coming into today, which was which was Monday, and he ranks uh, somewhere around twentieth among all hitters. So, wow! Can you imagine the number of home runs and and extra base hits that Otani might have if he wasn't getting these strike calls against him? Yeah. Uh, there was another great tweet from Codify Baseball at Codify Baseball. Okay. Uh, he posted a, a montage of all of Otani's outside uh, and away strikes that were supposed to be balls, and they said not too high, not too low, not too inside, but definitely outside. Imagine if Shohei Otani hadn't suffered more of these called strikes this season than any other batter in MLB. Yes, these were all called strikes, and this video mm. is just—it's all of them outside, away from Otani. Wow. out of the zone, getting called strikes. And it was so frustrating to see that. Yeah. But but yeah. shout out to, to Kyle Kishimoto for diving into the analytics there. I tweeted, and then he liked our tweet. And the next thing I knew, he had the stats pulled he up on up. his Twitter. I would so. be curious <laughs> now. I would
0: be curious to see where the Astros are on that list. They're probably like the, the, the best team, right? Like they'll probably <laughs> get the best calls, right?
1: Well, and, and the other part of this was because we were going against the Yanks, there was a lot of Yankee fans who were saying, well, we'll do Aaron Judge. And it's like, guys, we're not we're not mad about the Yankees getting yeah. calls in their favor. He's probably getting he's probably getting screwed as well. He is. He's actually he's a uh, ninth on the list for oh wow for so there you calls. go. Yeah, so yeah. it might be a tall thing because he's very tall. Okay. Otani's very yeah. tall. But but the fact is is whether it's Shohei or not, or whether it's uh, 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 Aaron Judge or not, it doesn't matter. It's it's the right. MLB or it's the umpires that are driving us insane this season. So yeah,
0: definitely. So you you've had a couple of moments where you've you've spoken it into existence John yes, sir. and so uh I would like to take this opportunity to speak something into existence. Can I do that? What's that? Um I here's my take. If if Otani gets to at least 10 wins mm-hmm. and every start for the rest of the year gets to at least 5 innings. Mm-hmm. I think that that is going to sway some of the baseball writers and they're going to give him the Cy Young
1: award. Oh, that's interesting.
0: So I'm going to speak that into existence. If he can get it to at least 10 wins and if he can at least pitch 5 innings in in each of his next starts, however many starts that might be. The Angels got like 41 games left left as of Wednesday. Yeah. Then I I think I think there are going to be writers that are going to go, "Yeah, I'm going to give it to him." And I think he could be the MVP. And the Cy Young, how incredible would that be if he wins both of those things? And
1: not because he was an MVP pitcher. Like, Kershaw right. got Cy yes. Young an MVP a few years yes. ago, and that was because he was doing his one job, and Otani yep. could could get both of these for doing both jobs. Like, that's just yeah. mind-blowing to think about. Yeah. I love that yeah. so much. Um, so you think 10 wins or so will be what does I think 10 wins could get there because
0: I think that as long as he keeps his ERA low, as long as he at least can get to five, potentially six innings, mm-hmm. I think people are going to look at that and they're going to say, hey, that's that's pretty remarkable. And there's been moments, Zach Greinke is one, I think, and then uh, the Mets pitcher is another where they won like 9, 10, 11 games, mm-hmm. but really dominated. And the writers gave them the Cy Young. And so I think that that could potentially happen with Shohei Ohtani this year. So I'm going to
1: speak that into existence, yes. John. Yes, we've been, we've been very good at that
0: this yeah. season so far. Is that how you do it? Is that Do I have to back up from the mic and, and speak it into existence, <laughs> John? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to have to edit the volume down later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, listen, there are so many things to be excited about when it comes to Shohei Ohtani. But there's also some other players to be excited about, Mike. We're talking about the youngsters, Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, who have uh, both been on the team for a little over uh, a week or two together. Marsh came up yeah. first. Joe Adele came up shortly thereafter. So what's going on with Joe Adele, Mike? Tell us what is uh, the latest on him. Okay, so I'm going to speak the, the obvious thing. Okay. All
0: right? So Tuesday night— we are tied at two. Yeah. And Joe Adele with two outs and the base is loaded. Hits a grand slam Ooh, to put baby. us up six to two. Oh, man. And and I, I, I don't know what it is about Joe, but I, don't you just love whenever he does something great that he's immediately like fist pumping, yes. clapping his hands? Yes. like. There is a different energy about him yeah. this year than, than last year.
1: Well, and I think, too, that him and 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 youngsters like Tatis, because Tatis is 22 as yeah. well. It feels like he's been around forever. He's been injured like 47 <laughs> times, but is leading the National <laughs> League in home runs. That guy is incredible. And, and he brings that same kind of fire and energy, too. And I, I really hope that these youngsters who are coming up, like Joe Adele and yeah. Tatis, who's already in the league, um, I really hope that them being energetic and fiery and, yeah. and doing yeah. bat flips and tosses, like let's yeah. make that part of the game and, and yeah. let's not have these unwritten rules anymore where you can't, show up people and stuff like There's that. There's a lot of people
0: that are fired up about that. In fact, uh, when, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but the Field of Dreams game mm-hmm. that happened with the Yankees and the White Sox, the Tim Anderson hitting the game-winning home run mm-hmm. into the cornfields, yeah. right? That was amazing. And, and he got, you know, people just dumped all over him because he threw his bat and oh, then he applauded brother. and then he kind of ran around the bases and he was like, it's not over. Right. And, and I loved it. I mean, and I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Like you're hitting a game winning home run on this incredible field. And so <laughs> Kevin Costner is there. <laughs> right? Come on. And Joe Buck's calling the game. Well, oh, never mind. And so, <laughs> but I I'm with you. Like, I love the fire. I love the passion and Joe hitting that grand slam, like immediately tosses the oh. bat. Yeah, dug out, claps his hands. It was so awesome. But here's the thing: that's,
1: that's the thing is nobody's nobody's showing up the pitcher. Nobody's no. like yelling at They're them excited. or anything like They're that. They're performing. Yeah. They're doing well. Yeah, and they deserve and, that. And
0: you're you're in the majors, right? right. Like this is you're in the, you're in the major leagues. And you I a granny, was- baby. Right, and we're, we've talked about this before, but I, uh, I Tim Salmon had talked about when he first came up, he said, I knew I was in the major leagues when I almost took a home run away from Don Mattingly, <laughs> like I'm standing out in the outfield going, I can't believe that I'm here, right. right? And so, Joe Adele, you could just see an excitement about him. The thing that I really love is his defense mm. has really improved, yes. and I want to point out just one specific play, he made a diving catch on Saturday oh, against the Astros. man.
1: I didn't even care that we lost. That was just, Oh, I didn't either. (laughs) That was
0: awesome. And he, he he caught it and then he got up and then it was a, yeah, like this giant fist pump. And the crowd throws it back in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. And so I, I, I love, he's, I love that he's confident. I love that he is playing great defense and I love that he's on the team right now. And, this is only going to benefit us next year, uh, barring injury. I think these guys, if they stay healthy, they're going to be remarkable, remarkable players for us. And so I just love Joe Adele, and I love how he's performing. And by the way, I love his hair. I love his yeah. haircut. Like, that's just, there's just something about it, man. Like He's just a cool player, and, and I've never been a cool guy. So I, I love those cool <laughs> guys, right? So... Um, so that's Joe Adele. He's fantastic. Would you talk about Brandon Marsh because I've loved watching Jason Worth, uh, Charlie Blackman, Brandon Marsh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this this tweet was from Jeff Fletcher from the OC register. This was back on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, he said that Marsh is seven for his last 15. He Ooh. brought up his average from uh, 155 to 209 yep and uh, he has just, Shown so much improvement in the last few weeks. I don't know if Jeremy Reed's been been working with him. It sounds like it. He put a bunt down the other night that was really impressive and used his speed to get on base. Um, his center field game is super strong. That has been consistent since. He came up, which is really impressive, and I think is the the center fielder of the future, even when, when Trout comes back. We had Agreed. that conversation about moving him to the corner. The he's he's making better contact too. So even though it might be a fly out or something like that, his follow through is, is improving immensely. I think when I first saw him, I mentioned something to you that he needs to be more patient. He was pressing. Yep. It, yep. He's in, you know, the majors for the first time, so you know I think the nerves were there, but his contact has improved. In fact, uh, Tuesday night against the Tigers, he was I don't I don't know if I would say it was robbed of a home run, but a player, uh, but a a fan interfered yeah. in what would have been a triple for Brandon yes. Marsh, um, if not a home run, because we aren't quite sure if it was going to go over or even hit the yellow right. line, but right. a fan reached over and touched the ball, and it put marsh on on second base but here's the thing about that uh there, there is a uh, a twitter account um and actually our friend daniel over from halo's haven and the uh all angels podcast he uh tweeted at this uh twitter account and, okay and, and it's called are you ready for this uh-huh i'm ready would it dong <laughs> <laughs> So, here's the tweet from It Dong. It says, Brandon Marsh versus Michael Fulmer. Exit velo on that was 108 miles per hour. Launch angle, 25 degrees. Projected distance, 427. Well wow. Here's the kicker, Mike. This would have been a home run in... 29 out of 30 MLB parks. So literally only Comerica park is the one that held it in. So Joe Adele, or I'm sorry, Brandon Marsh missed his first home run because they just happened to be in Comerica. (laughs) Can we just give a, a a high five,
0: a halo brothers, uh, high five, to that fan. Cause he did everything he can to try to make that a home run for us. <laughs> right. He reached over. And then I loved that the camera was on him for a
1: bit. And he was hiding and he and from his buddy. Security.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. He and his buddy are cracking up, but the guy's got his hat down over and, his, and he's not even looking up. Like he's whispering, like I'm going to get kicked out. Yeah. And even, even Rich Waltz said like, uh, they're probably, they're probably going to remove him. But later on in the game, he was still, <laughs> still there, there. So lucky him. That was great. That was great. So, so Joe Adele playing well, I didn't mean to rhyme there. And then Brandon Marsh, uh, is, is looking really strong. Here's the question that I, I think that is going to be really, really interesting for 2022 more than now. And that's what do we do with Justin Upton Mm. because trout's coming back, right? And maybe not this year, but definitely next year. And then I don't think that you, you sit Marsh or Adele. I think that they're they're your corner outfielders. If not, their are center fielder, right fielder, wherever you put Trout. And, and I don't think Upton is a fourth outfielder. He's not a defensive replacement. No. He does have a good bat. But <laughs> what do you do with
1: Justin Upton? Justin Upton's been frustrating because he moved to that leadoff spot and looked like a new man. Then he went yes. down with injury again. Fletcher came up to that leadoff spot. And since then, I think Upton has only let off one time, and it just didn't work.
0: And, yeah. and maybe you yeah. need
1: more time at that. But right now, with no protection behind Shohei, Shohei is going to be leading off. Right. And so if if pitchers aren't going to pitch to him, well, Madden's going to make them pitch to him by putting him in the leadoff yeah. spot. But he said he wants the whole lineup to protect Shohei. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what it takes. Yeah. So yeah. all of that to say, uh, I really think we missed our window when Upton was killing it in the leadoff spot to move him to another team. Okay. However, I will say that I think that's a possibility uh, in the offseason to move him and maybe eat some of that salary. We've talked about this before. I think a one-year of Upton and a team that needs a a powerful offensive bat like his would would be served well by Upton. I think back in like May or June when he did move up to that leadoff spot, there were a lot of Halo fans going – Hey, uh, uh, Mets GM, are you watching Upton? Look what he did today, you know, because they needed some outfield help. So I I, I don't know if the Mets need that help anymore, but I think Upton could be moved to a team that really needs a power bat. Um, Because I think you're right. I I don't think that you sit Adele. What was interesting to me was when Eaton was still on the team, and we'll get to him in just a little bit, uh, Joe said the plan was to platoon Upton and Eaton. And have yeah. Joe Adele out there every day, whether it was left field or right field, depending on whether Upton or Eaton was in. And um, I think I think that's crucial to uh, identifying what we're going to do next season. So I'm with you. I, I, I think I think Marsh and Adele are, are on this team next season with Trout yeah. in the outfield as well. Um, maybe we can get something back for Upton. We'll we'll see what happens there. What are your thoughts? I, I I think that we have
0: to do something with Upton. I don't think that you can have him remain on this team, and I don't think that you release him. And the reason why no, I don't no. think you release him is because of his connection with Mike Trout. I think the reason why you don't release him is when Tyler Skaggs tragically passed away, mm. it seemed like Justin Upton was kind of one of those clubhouse leaders, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now with Albert not there, and then having to release Upton, I think that that's... That's some that's some bad publicity for the the general manager and for the Angels not necessarily to fans but bad publicity to the players. Yeah. Like we're we're just going to let your guys go, right? So, I think you got to do something with him though. Trade him. I don't know what you can get for him. Maybe they can pull a miracle and do like a Maldonado for Sandoval trade. That would be re- <laughs> yeah. re- remarkable, yeah. right? But I don't think that you're going to get much for him and you probably will have to eat most of his salary but I think for next year, you got to have the guys that we've mentioned already in the outfield. And then I think for the fourth outfielder, you either bring back Juan Lagares or you bring up Taylor Ward and let Taylor Ward be your fourth outfielder and fill in when necessary with some time training in the outfield because I wouldn't want to throw him back in to that rotation because he didn't look too confident out there when he was up with us. A uh, few few months back, right?
1: Yeah, and well, I think Lagaris is off this team at the end of the season too. So okay, I yeah, think so too. Yeah. yeah, but with Upton, I I hear what you're saying, it, and I think we both agree it's got to be a productive move, in the sense that you just can't cut loose cut your ties loose and let him go. Yeah. Try to get something for him, um, and and if if maybe you can't make that move in the off season, maybe he maybe he's that that pinch hitting bat who comes in off the bench and and, and it is his last season. And I'm sure he recognizes that like, Oh, I'm in an outfield with these youngsters and and trout. So maybe my role and I'm not, I'm not playing well. And I think Upton is the first guy to identify I'm not doing great, you know? And I really think that he shows that, especially, I think he's broken two bats over his knee this season. (laughs) So he recognizes, and I think he's enough of of a gamer and an athlete to realize like, his contributions are not as strong as they could be or maybe should be yeah and I think he'll know when to to step aside and and be okay with it um, but you're sure. right I think he's a strong veteran presence and a and a leader on this team and you don't want to upset Mike you don't want to make yeah. trout mad <laughs> no
0: no I, and I think the reason why Upton will be on the team next year is because they did release Adam Eaton hmm and I think Upton will be that fourth outfielder. If they didn't release Adam Eaton, I would be curious to see if they would keep Eaton and let Upton go or at least trade Upton because I think as a fourth outfielder, Adam would be fantastic. Yeah. Because he was actually a gift to us when we needed him desperately because right. we were having Rojas and Ward <laughs> and all of these guys in the outfield that just shouldn't be out there. Gosselin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they shouldn't be out there. And so when he came, it was just it was strictly for defense and I'm so thankful for how he played. And then he had a he had a bit of a pop in his back. Sure. And he's not gonna be the best hitter at, at this point in his career. But um I was bummed when they when they did release him. Um but I think it's because it's an overcrowded outfield right. and if it means having Marsh and Adele play every day, then I think it was a really great move. But somebody like Eaton I just kind of, he grew on me and I I really liked him, especially as they interviewed him when he had one of the game winning hits or had like a really good game. And, and Jose Moda said, we haven't had a chance to to, to chat. And Eaton says, it's because I sucked. Like, that's why we (laughs) haven't, that's why we haven't chatted, you know? And so I appreciated that where he was like, yeah, I was, I've been terrible. And so now I'm glad I haven't been terrible. And then he, you know, complimented the fans. It's great to play in front of this team. And so that's what you hear often from a lot of players. Like it's actually, this is a great place to come and play.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that he's gone because that yeah. that, that defense that he brought and, – and he also brings a fire. Like, when he does bad, he he shows it, you know? Yep. yep. Um, I almost feel like there's a part of me that wanted to keep him over maybe Juan Ligaris. Uh, but maybe they're just thinking, hey, Juan's been with us since the beginning of this season, and and he does have that gold glove defense. So, I don't know. I, I, I am disappointed, but I also – I'm encouraged by the fact that he was let go to make room for Marsh and Adele yep. and that we're not hanging on to these guys who aren't yep. adding any value to the team in terms of taking away playing time from, from the youngsters. I, I'm concerned, going back to our conversation about uh, what we do with Upton, I'm concerned that we'll see some sort of combination of uh, Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh like splitting time yeah, lefty righty matchups and stuff like not that. not a fan I'm not no. a fan either but doesn't that just feel like the most angel thing that will happen it does yeah <laughs> it does so I am encouraged by the fact that they were platooning Eaton and, and Upton so that Joe yeah. could play every day so maybe that goes yeah. against what I just said but I fully could see the angels doing uh Brandon's gonna play center against against righties <laughs> and Joe's <laughs> gonna play against lefties and it's just like come on and whenever
0: it's something that we don't like, suddenly the voice is... <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about a bunch of different moves. And so let's take a moment. And what if we did uh, a, a job grade for Madden, for Wise, for Reed, and for GM Perry? Ooh, Want to do that? Let's do it. Okay, so I- I'm going to give Madden for his managerial services this year. I'm going to give him a C. Okay. And that might be a bit harsh because I know we've had a lot of injuries and I think that he has managed pretty well. But if the team's average, then I'm going to give him an average grade. And so I'm going to give him a C for where we're at currently. If we had healthy players, I think we would be better. But I think as as the team goes, it's a reflection of how the manager is leading. And so I give Madden a C. What grade would you give him?
1: Uh, yeah, a C is average, and we are the definition of average. Yes. <laughs> 500 Hello, 500? 500 We've every met other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, I also will give Madden a C. And uh, so some of the things that I did like about his managing this season was making the lineup changes when they were necessary and and figuring out what works. Upton is a great example of that. Um, There was a stretch where all of our heavy hitters were at the top of the order and the bottom of our order was just really sad. And so he actually (laughs) moved. He moved Jared Walsh down, not in a demotional sense. Demotional is not even a word. Not as a demotion but (laughs) I'm
0: struggling with my demotions right now.
1: So (laughs) I'm just emotional right now. I'm really demotional Uh, about
0: this, (laughs) not as a demotion,
1: but as a need to get a power bat behind some on base guys. And so I did like some of the strategy involved, but, but, and and you're right. There were a lot of injury issues to work around this season that aren't really his fault, but, but here's my frustration. Too many moves to the bullpen, the wrong guys in the wrong situation. Right. I can't remember the last time a starter was able to finish an inning or a uh, relief pitcher would inherit runners and let them score. Yeah, <laughs> And it's frustrating because it's like, why can't you just bring in a reliever to have a clean inning? Or why is it always the first sign of trouble that you're bringing in? In a reliever to replace the starter, so there was just too many, too many of those instances. You and I were hopeful at the beginning of the season that he was going to let these yeah. guys get out of their their own jams, and we saw that with Otani against the White Sox early on in the season. But man, he he just does not like uh, letting starters finish an inning or letting relievers come in with a clean inning. And and we see yeah. the difference when these guys come in with clean innings. Like um C-Shek all of a sudden has emerged as as really confident and really strong. Gets out of a bases loaded jam the other night and yeah. I was like this is this is going to be terrible. And he ended up getting out of it with a double play. I, it was fantastic. I reverse jinxed it cuz I said here come 3 runs from Steve Csheck <laughs> and then he got out of it. Keep so, doing that. Yeah, I'm going to keep reverse <laughs> reverse jinxing, but Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's it's it just never seems to to add up the moves that he makes uh, to the bullpen. So I give him a C overall. How about Matt Wise?
0: I give Matt Wise an A and here's why. Oh. First, he wasn't supposed to be in this position <laughs> at the beginning of the year. Not supposed to be here. <laughs> right. Like this wasn't something that he planned for. I'm sure that he was prepared to do his job and to do it well and then suddenly you're you're thrown into this role and I think the way that Matt Wise has managed this this team this year, this pitching staff, I think he has earned a couple of years contract. I think he's the pitching coach for next year, at least next year, if not for the next couple of years. And you've mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast you've mentioned how he has come out and talked to the pitcher Mm -hmm. about like, Hey man, let's talk about this. Hey, how about this? And even Mark Gubaza has said, what he's saying to him here is this. And then you see the pitcher coming back and actually doing what Matt Wise has asked him to do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really am a fan of Matt Wise. I think the starting pitching is doing well because of Matt Wise. I think the young guys are responding to Matt Wise. And I think what I've seen from Moments when they've filmed the dugout in tension filled moments, the camera has caught Matt Wise talking to Joe Madden mm-hmm. and Madden actually listening to him on when to come out or when not to come out or on who we should go to or who we shouldn't go to. Mm. And so I, I give him an A. What do you give him?
1: Yeah, I think you're right that he'll come back next season at least because Madden's got one more year on his contract. Yeah. And I think having some dang consistency for the first time in like five years (laughs) for the angels is key to, to improving and moving forward. So, especially with all the youngsters who are on the team, um, I gave, you gave him an a, I give Matt wise a C plus. Um, okay. Here's why. Uh, I know that he was put into a situation that he probably wasn't expecting. However, I'm, I'm a little frustrated at the idea that like, guys who were good got worse. Mm. Um, I think about Bundy. I think about Quintana, who I know wasn't on the team last year but was somebody to be hopeful for. And I think about, like, Mike Myers. And and I, it's frustrating to see their regression. Now, I know that that is not entirely in Matt Wise's hands because sure. at the end of the sure. day, he's not the one throwing the ball for them. But I don't know if there was a, a philosophical change or something – uh, that they adapted to that, that Matt wise prefers. Um, so that, that's a little bit frustrating, but here are the, here are the good things for me. I do like that. The, the new guys in the rotation have, have bolstered our starting rotation. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Sandoval and Suarez and Berea have all improved from what we've seen in past seasons. So I, I do give that a notch in wise's favor. Um, he's he's done well despite, you know, the odd circumstances of getting there. And I really do like that he worked with Bundy to improve that arm slot. And I know Bundy wanted to wait until after the season was over. And I think that says more about Bundy than it does about Matt Wise. Hmm. So, um, and, and what I mean by that is, like, Bundy wasn't quite willing to make the change, even though he was – sucking. And so, um, so at the end of the day, I think between what has improved and what's gotten worse, I think Matt wise earns uh, a C plus. And I think with a a consistent year, I could see that grade going up later. So.
0: Sure. Sure. How about uh, Jeremy Reed? He's the hitting coach. Yeah. What grade, what grade would you give Jeremy Reed?
1: I, the only consistent thing for me this season has been the offense and the hitting. And I know that we've been a little bit sleepy lately, but hopefully Joe Adele's granny will break us out of that offensive slump. So I give I give Jeremy Reed an a, because I think everything has been consistent. I think the offense has, has rarely been the problem. Um, you see guys that you wouldn't have expected improving like Jack Mayfield, who I know is just a backup, but he wasn't good when he started the season with us. He wasn't great with the Mariners and he comes back and, and gets six home runs in the span of like two or three weeks. Jimmy Jack Mayfield. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Three run, Jimmy Jack Mayfield. Um, You saw Fletcher struggle at the beginning of the season. And obviously there were some conversations there to, Hey, get back, get back to who you are. Um, And, and so we, that's why he's sitting around 300 now and, and all of us were concerned that he got his payday and decided to regress. But that, but it, it is <laughs> great to see that Fletcher has improved. And then you got to talk about Otani's best season at the plate ever. Right. Um, right. After Especially after a terrible 2020 yes. where he bat like 170 for the season. Yeah. And I understand it's it's 20, 20, 60 games doesn't count. <laughs> right. So go away for me. Jeremy Reed gets an A just because I appreciate the consistency of the offense. I appreciate the fact that he has found diamonds in the rough and that they've contributed offensively and help guys like Fletcher turn around their slumps. And uh, so I think Jeremy Reed gets an A. How about you?
0: I give him a B. I agree with okay. everything that you say. Um, I think that the gaps between good offensive moments um, and then bad offensive moments were longer. And there are moments where we had some really good pitching performances at the beginning of the season, Mm -hmm. but the offense just didn't come through for us. And so I I give him a B, but I think he's done a a pretty incredible job. And and I also affirm and high five uh, the work he's done with guys like Jack Mayfield, who – shouldn't be where he is, but I think that Jeremy Reed has done a great work with him, helping him to see the ball and hit the ball and what's his form and all of those things. And then let's talk about Perry Manassian. What grade would you give
1: GM Perry Manassian for this Scary Perry. Scary Perry. (laughs) Uh, I thought about this a lot, and I ended up landing on a B-. minus. Okay. The reason why I know that he revamped the bullpen, which wasn't good last year. Yeah. And this also wasn't good. (laughs) Yes. But what I appreciate about it is that he saw something that wasn't working and completely revamped it, went a new direction. You take a risk like that, I get it. And the the problem is, is that in some cases, he stuck with some issues too long, like Alex Claudio. Should have been gone a long time ago. Um, before he was released, but I will say that when there was a hole in the defense or the offense or uh, the pitching, somehow he went out and made moves to get the support we needed at times. So it wasn't every time, but he did, you know, he, I mean, he did go out and get Hunter Strickland. I know that didn't pan out for us. Obviously it's an issue with the angels and not Hunter Strickland because now he's killing it with the brewers.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like
1: I talk about that every week. I'm still upset yes. about that. <laughs> um, Perry took some risks that worked in terms of Alex Cobb. Um, he took some risks that didn't work like the bullpen or Jose Quintana. I really do like the, the Heaney and the Watson trade. Uh, I wish that he would have made moves sooner because he left us on the edge of our seat, but the, you know, it's over now. Um, I, I've taken my anxiety medication and I've come back down. <laughs> um, and I also like that he didn't jump the gun on moving Marsh or Adele. Yeah. At this trade deadline, now he has left the door open for um, something happening in the off season, possibly, which I appreciate. So Perry, to me, gets a B minus because he he took some risks. They you know risks don't always pan out. Some of them did, some of them didn't. He saw areas of need and addressed them, and I think he made some smart trades that obviously are paying off for us and and not for the Yankees with Andrew Heaney. Yeah. Sorry, Yanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do right. you give Perry?
0: I'm so excited. I haven't been able to do this for a few episodes. You ready? Okay. John? I completely disagree with you! <laughs> <laughs> I think that I give Perry a C oh. because he has been average. And the thing that I th- that was the most pressing need, he, he brought us... C players. And that was the bullpen. Mm. He didn't go and get any significant help for the bullpen. And yes, all of the moves that you have said that he made, I I agree with you. And the draft drafting, you know, 20
1: pitchers. I did forget to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was a big contributor.
0: That's incredible. That's remarkable. But I think for the now, for right now, he didn't go and get what we needed. And that was bullpen help. And, and you're the GM, and you have scouts, and you need to be able to identify people that are actually going to be helpful for our team. And the moves that he made, these people were not helpful for our team. And they were actually just full of it when they came to our team. And so <laughs> I, I I give him a C because I think he's been average in his, in his productivity. And what he's done for our team.
1: Yeah, so I think actually I would have given him a C and I went with B minus just because of the draft. I think the draft. Nope, you you can't nope, can't change it. No, I'm not changing it. No, I'm just saying it's already written in stone. (laughs) Nope. I'm not changing it. I'm still giving him a B minus if he hadn't drafted twenty 20 pitchers and yeah. sign 19 of them, I would probably I see give them point. a C. <laughs> right, right. All right, so I mentioned it earlier in the podcast.
0: The The Field of Dreams game yeah. was so much fun. And, and, John, did you know it was the most watched regular season baseball game since 2005?
1: Yeah, I believe it. I'm, I am uh, I think it was an incredible idea, and people love that movie, so no wonder they tuned in. And it's the yeah. Yankees and the White Sox, you know? So right. that, that's really awesome. Great setting,
0: great teams. You you can't go wrong with the Yankees, right? And, and so, again,
1: Kevin Costner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I tuned in. Um, so I, I I love that it went well. And so um, I have some ideas on how to continue uh, help MLB continue to get the ratings and of course. continue to do well. Can I can I share these ideas right now? <laughs> okay. okay. So I think for next year instead of the field of dreams they should have a field from the sandlot movie oh nice okay and play That's on that pretty cool right so like the, the field should be really crappy there should be like <laughs> trees and weeds in the outfield the worst and then it needs to be yeah it needs to be like like this rundown fence and then if they can get a really big dog behind the fence that'd be awesome <laughs> right so if that doesn't work for them I got other ideas okay can hit I, me. can I continue to share okay so um, what if we had a field called the Rookie of the Year game? The rookie of the year field, yeah, and we only had twelve-year-old boys pitch after they broke their arm. <laughs> what? Who's gonna break their arms? Do you remember that? Do you remember that movie? Yeah, of course. But... Yeah, yeah. So we just need to find a, we need to find two twelve-year-olds to start the game that have broken their arm previously, and then and then put them on the mound. Yeah. No. Okay. I got another uh, idea. Next idea. Okay. Uh, how about how about a money ball field? Okay, and the only players that can play are cast off, but they have great like on base percentages. <laughs>
1: and Chris Pratt, Jonah Hill, and, <laughs> yes. and uh, Brad Pitt have to be there, and R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Well, if they if they brought Kevin Costner back, they have to bring back Brad Pitt, of right? course. They have course. to. Okay, and then and then of course, how about next year they do an Angels in the outfield field, okay. but the Angels have to play, and every Call has to go the Angels' way, and <laughs> we win every right? game. Yes, and Christopher yeah.
1: Lloyd will be there, <laughs> and Joseph Gordon-Levitt can finally have a family again. How <laughs> <laughs> you really watched that movie a lot, didn't you?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, those those good ideas, bad ideas. Hey, yeah, I, no. Okay, you got me thinking. I have an idea for you. Okay. Okay. Now follow me here. Okay. How about a a Space Jam game? Oh. But not basketball. I know okay. it's a basketball movie. Yeah. But we are we, we would do a Space Jam game in the sense that in the beginning of that movie, Michael Jordan is playing baseball in the minors. So why don't we get players from other sports to play a game of baseball? We could have LeBron at first base. <laughs> we could have George Kittle at third base like you get george kennel <laughs> yes. nobody's getting by him maybe he should no. be a catcher <laughs> yes yeah so yeah other other players from other sports playing a game of baseball i like that but not like celebrity softball like a real no. baseball
0: game yes yeah. yeah yeah and we and we play the monsters <laughs> <laughs> and bill great. murray's there it. <laughs> oh, then I'm in. And I do have a
1: celebrity for every one of those, exactly. those fields. I love this. Oh, I don't do defense. <laughs> As an eight year old kid watching space jam. I did not appreciate Bill Murray until I got way older. <laughs> yes, understood yeah. how awesome it was to have him in that movie. <laughs> at eight years old, you're like, "Who's this guy?" And then at, at, at 18 years old, you're like, "Yeah, this guy." <laughs> I laughed. I laughed at Bugs Bunny when I was eight, and then I laughed at Bill Murray when I was 32. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it.
0: Hey, John, we got some uh, some mailbag yes. uh, questions. And so uh, let's talk through those. Um, Why don't you start us with the first question?
1: Yeah, so thank you to everybody who submitted questions to our Super Halo Brothers mailbag. Again, you can reach us at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. That's where a lot of these questions came in. So uh, the first question comes from uh, a good friend of ours from Around the Diamond. His name is Matt, and he uh, does MLB top, Top News, or Top MLB News, and Matt actually has his own podcast. It's called uh, the Frozen Rope Podcast. And oh, he I does a it. lot of uh, recaps of what's going on in baseball and offer his his opinion and stuff. So he does a really great job. So make sure you check out uh, the Frozen Rope Podcast. But Matt asked this question, Mike. If you could only keep one for the next five years, would you keep Trout or Otani?
0: What a great question. Yeah, right? And and here's my great answer. Okay. I would keep Otani because Oof. how how often can you find a unicorn and watch them play, <laughs> right? Like how often, I love Trout. I'm a huge fan of Mike Trout, and I'm so glad he's on our team. But watching Otani play, hit and pitch, is the most remarkable thing that we could, we could ever see in baseball. Mm. Like he's going to be the one that we're going to be talking about years later. We're going to be telling our, our kids' kids' kids about Shohei Ohtani yeah. because he is Babe Ruth, right? He is the guy that everybody wants to see. I remember Uncle Sam, not America's Uncle Sam, but like <laughs> our Uncle Sam. <laughs> okay. um, I remember him talking a lot about watching guys like Pee Wee Reese and watching some of these, some of these guys like um, – Joe DiMaggio mm-hmm. and watching Roger Maris break their home run record. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember Uncle Sam talking about that. And it was so, like, ancient history when I was a kid, when he would talk to us about it. But he would have such a excitement about it. Man, it mm. was so great to see this. The Bronx Bombers, when they were the – they were Murderer's Row, right? And they had all of these guys in the lineup. Yeah. He remembers those moments. Well, Shohei is going to be that for us when we get older. And people are going to be like, what was it like? To watch him and and I don't think that this is going to be a regular thing like Shohei is going to be Babe Ruth of the modern era and we're not going to see another player like Shohei I think for another 50 to 100 years I don't think that this is going to be something a trend that happens in MLB hmm. I think it's I think he's a unicorn and so when you capture a unicorn you gotta you gotta hang on to it as long as you can
1: I like that um I am gonna go with Trout because I I okay. can't I can't see him in any other uniform than nah. than Angel Red, baby. And and gotcha. and Trout has been there uh since since my fandom really took off in around mm. 2009 when he got drafted and and I started really paying attention to the Angels and uh to to not have him on this team would be so odd and so out of place. And mm. I think before Otani came along, like Trout was our unicorn. He was doing all the things that we hadn't seen for a long time. And he was doing all of the, uh, the, the, he was breaking all the records and the stats and things like that. So, um, I, I, I just can't imagine a team, this team without Mike Trout.
0: It, my answer would be a lot more, uh, painful. If Trout had a healthy season
1: this year, Yeah, if he was
0: putting up his remarkable numbers that he was on the way to put up, I think I would really have a tough time picking between the two.
1: Right, right. So next question uh, comes from a, a really uh, great follower. Uh, his name is Maddie Nonsense. He follows us on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. He's been a fan from the very beginning. Uh, Love so it. shout out to Matt. Uh, he asks, is there a possibility that ownership and front office has anything to do with the lack of free agent signings over the years? Hmm. Is there knowledge about the organization... That is known in MLB circles, but we the fans aren't privy to. So I, I, my answer is yes, but I don't think that something like suspicious
0: is going on. So let me explain. Mm. So two things: one, I think the Angels are not an attractive destination at the moment. Yeah, and I think that that's why we haven't had too many free agents come this way. I think we have to earn trust by winning and 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 playing consistent. Yeah, and showing some consistency from the front office. Think. Tory Hunter leaving the twins and signing with us Mm -hmm. back in 2009. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that that the reason why he came was because Mike Sosha and we, because we had won a few in a row, we were a good team. We had a great culture. And I think that that's why he came. There was, there was a draw to being with the angels. Second thing is I think Artie has shown that if he wants a player, he's going to go and get a player. Yeah, totally. And, I think I think my my first point is is with with like earning trust and having consistency in the front office. That's why we didn't get Garrett Cole. Right. So I, I think that there is a front office ownership situation when it comes to free agent signings. I just don't think that there's like this behind the scenes. We're not we're not privy to certain things. I just think that that Artie has not made this place a, a an attractive destination because of how it has been managed because of how we have looked in in the last few years and because of maybe his overreach with like no we're signing josh hamilton i don't care what you think or his <laughs> overreach of like maybe getting like cj wilson or albert pujols right and so i think that that might be what puts people in a position of like eh, it doesn't look like they, they're really gonna win it doesn't look like they want to win even though they say they want to win, and so I don't think that we're super attractive to some of those free agents. So that's that's my opinion. What do you think? What do you say?
1: I agree with you on a lot of that. I think that the the attractiveness of the Angels and the shine has wore off in the last decade compared yeah. to you know when Tory Hunter came over. Um, I think that the issues that we've been plagued with as far as you know our visiting uh, dugout coordinator supplying <laughs> visiting teams yeah. with sticky stuff and that's a good point and issues with with Tyler Skaggs I, I I think people feel sorry for us but they also are like what is going on there and right. and this is different from just the Artie Marino stuff I mean to me I I'm really glad that we have Anthony Rendon but I think that Artie Marino that was his compensation compensation pick for not getting Garrett Cole. Yes. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I can't have that huge free agent signing. I'm going to get the next best one, you know? And yes. And so when it comes to already interference and, and ownership interference, um, I really do think that he, he does have that overreach. I think we saw that before the 2020 season, when there was rumors that Renhefa was going to the Dodgers for, for Ross stripling. And, uh, it's a, it's a duck Peterson and jock peterson that's right that's right um and i think andy pages who i think it's pages is killing it in the minors right now i think he also was part of that trade and and so that was something that already shut down for for one reason or another when we needed pitching um we could have used jock peterson's bat and andy pages would be would have been a great prospect so uh he he does have that overreach and i think that more and more MLB is catching on to that, that overreach. And again, it's not an attractive destination anymore. We've had Mike Trout, Albert Pujols. Now we have Rendon, we have Otani and, and we're still middle of the road and it's going to take more than just one big superstar to make that change. So I think that 2022 is going to be a huge year for us and hopefully Perry will make some moves over the off season and there won't be any interference from, from ownership. So let's go let's do it uh this is a good one mike so uh this comes from another another big fan uh on instagram at Schwibbs. uh he is always very complimentary of the podcast and we really love having him as a listener he said uh two questions what is your favorite angels moment from the 2002 world series
0: Ooh, i love this question okay uh mine is troy gloss game six
1: his double mm. to put the angels up six to five. Hey, that's great. Cause mine is Scott Spezio game six,
0: nice getting the home run to put <laughs> the angels back in the
1: game. Nice. Yes. <laughs> that was such a fun game and they
0: were replaying it on the uh, ballet sports app. And so I, I, I put it on in the background as I was doing some work uh, a couple days ago. And so I just remember how hyped everybody was and how depressing it was until Spezio hit that home Mm -hmm. run. And then it just seemed like that changed everything. And then they had some interviews, and Gloss did say, like, as soon as Spezio hit it, we were like – we're going to win this game. And we knew if we, if we won game six, we're going to win game seven and win the series. So that's why I picked Troy gloss. I I love him, but that moment was a powerful, fun, thrilling moment. Yeah. The,
1: the, the Spezio home run just sticks out to me because even, even as a young kid, I, I remember how heroic Spezio felt where it was like, Ooh, I like that guy. He's awesome. And so I think for me, it's nostalgic in the sense that like he had that moment and I went, Oh, yeah. That's my guy right there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. His Schwibbs' second question is if you could uh, pick uh, somebody to help out the Angels in the present day and have them for the next two years from the 2002 World Series team, who would you Hmm. pick and why?
0: If I could get the Jared Washburn from 2002, I would take Jared Washburn because he was 18 and seven that year. Nice. Or 18 and six, something like that. And was the ace of the staff. Just had a remarkable year, and so to have him, um, I think that that would have been, that would have been a great thing for us this year. And I was, I was struggling because. I, I really have two players here. Mm-hmm. The other player that I would want, if not Washburn, is Scott Shields. Yeah. Because Scott Shields is that seventh inning guy setup. that we need that's going to set us up, right? And so I was torn between the two, but I think I'm going to lean in the Jared Washburn
1: direction. What about you? Give me Frankie Rodriguez, baby.
0: Woo-hoo! That's what I want to see.
1: <laughs> Again, setup guy. Can you imagine having him and, and Rice Hill Iglesias at the back of the bullpen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Like... Just shut down bullpen, right? And yeah, nobody's getting any hits off of them. Yeah, yeah, that's what we right? need. I love that. Heck yeah, um, that's a good, that's a good pick. Kind of a similar question, and this one actually comes from from Bobby from around the diamond. He asks, past or present, for not just O2 but but any past or present Angels team to play on this team. Who would you pick?
0: Okay, um, I'm going to go with more bullpen help. I'm going to take Troy Percival. Oh, there you go. I want Troy. I want Troy back on Percy. our team. That would be so fun to have him and I think his energy I think his leadership I think his his uh, I, I gave him a home run who cares I'm gonna come back out here and I'm gonna strike you out <laughs> like his it was actually Frankie Rodriguez that said it was because of Troy Percival that he became the closer that he became yes I remember you said it, that Percy's influence was powerful so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Troy Percival
1: who are you gonna take uh that's a good question and I think about our needs right now um yeah. dude you know what? Give me uh, I think my obvious answer would be Jared Weaver because he's my favorite angel of all time. <laughs> yes. But if I want to maybe get a little more specific, give me Ibar at short. That guy okay. will have a 300 average – batting average season yep. and yep. be a solid defender at short. And mm-hmm. and uh, him and Fletcher together, that would be something oh, to that'd see. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. So – and he was a
0: switch hitter which was even better I forgot about that yeah man I yeah. miss that guy
1: I, this question caused me to think about
0: everybody like I was like man let's go way back and let's bring Chuck Finley right big tall left hander <laughs> and let him start for us give me or Don Baylor yeah right or, or let's let's get Sean Figgins back yeah. and let him play right like put him at third base oh and let gosh. him lead off like we wouldn't have to worry about leadoff batter at all
1: if if Choney was back or your with favorite Meister Asturrez I know how much you like Meister <laughs> I was I was waiting for that stupid <laughs> remark <laughs> Oh, Mighty man. Miser. <laughs> uh, so Daniel from Halo Haven and host of the All Angels podcast uh, left us this question. And he said, um, I thought this was interesting. Um, in five years, who's better, Sandoval or Detmers?
0: Do you really want me to answer that question? <laughs> Are you going to insult my boy, Sandy? No. Oh not going to insult him okay. at all. Hit me. I just think that I have had a man crush on Reed Detmers since, since episode <laughs> one. And so I think that Detmers is actually going to be better. And here's why I think he's going to be better. He's already shown a willingness to adjust and to improve. And he's shown the ability to do it quickly, as I mentioned earlier. Like he had an in-game adjustment and he was able to quickly adjust and he's throwing his curveball better he's reaching out to the catcher i don't think sandy's going to be bad i think sandy's going to be great in fact uh, i'm going to go out on a limb here and and say like remember the the braves starting rotation Mm -hmm. from the 90s maddox glavin and smoltz i think that sandoval and detmers have the potential to be that intimidating starting rotation or even rotation even the the hudson molder Uh, rotation of the of the Oakland A's in the early 2000s right Barry Zito like I think that they have the potential to be those two guys in five years can you imagine putting your lineup out there in a three-game series and game one is Reed Detmers and game two is Patrick Sandoval and then and then potentially game three is Shohei Otani right right? like like you're you're going to have a tough time when these guys actually get it and start really playing well. But I think Detmers has already shown why he will be better. What do you say?
1: I agree with you on Detmers and simply for the fact that, man, there's been a lot of Kershaw comps uh, to Detmers. Yep. 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 And we saw that in uh, against Houston. That nasty curveball dude is the anchor of his stuff. Yes. And somebody pointed out on Twitter, I wish I could remember who it was, but they said it's a it's a it reminded them of Tyler Skaggs. And I uh, thought that was really cool because yeah. he had a nasty curve. And so many people have projected Reed to be Kershaw esque. Mm-hmm. And he also doesn't look like he has the herky jerky delivery of, of Kershaw. So I think that Reed will have a lot more longevity in terms yes. of staying healthy. Yes. You know, Kershaw's had his back issues over the years and it is all in that unique delivery that he has. And he's a yes. tall, big guy. So I think Reed is really gonna take off as as the front runner. Uh and then who knows who we've got in our minors now with with uh Sam Bachman and, and all yeah. of the guys that we drafted. Man, it's and yeah. then we traded for some. So it's an exciting time. Uh, for the angels in terms of the rotation. So, but I think Detmers and Sandoval are going to be a nasty one, two punch. Fun to
0: watch. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right. This one
1: came in while we were recording and this comes from our friend Julio from the town tailgate podcast. If you want a A's podcast, that's a lot like ours in terms of two fans who really love their team, check out the town tailgate podcast. And so this is off the cuff for you, Michael. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> he, he said is this too late for the mailbag <laughs> <laughs> he said straight up would you try and move trout in the off season are you guys at all concerned about his now apparent injury history and what hmm. would a viable return be
0: Hmm. okay you ready hit me yes you would move i would, him? I, would. I, I would i would i would I would work really hard to see what I could get for him. I mm. think that you got to get, you got to get some good. And I think that this is uh, equal parts. You really get some good players, but equal parts angel fans would probably need to know a couple of the names. Yeah. Um, and, and because we have, we have had these long-term players on our team with Albert and with Josh Hamilton, we've had these guys with big contracts And it's and even Rendon and it's not really worked out well for us. And so, if we're gonna see our our team be a better team, just hearing this question for the first time right now, I'm gonna lean more into I would explore it to see what we could get back.
1: Hmm.
0: What say you? Am I still on the podcast? Am (laughs) am Am I off the team?
1: Time to bring on one of our other brothers to the podcast.
0: (laughs) You're fired. They're not going to be able
1: to talk baseball. Come (laughs) on. Uh, No, I I don't think that you try and move him. I I think you make an interesting point. See what you can get. Um, We have been waiting for him to be the centerpiece of this team. And we've been waiting to have good players to put around him. We've been waiting to have uh, a baseball team around Mm. him. (laughs) A real Mm. team. Yep. And we finally have that with a strong outfield, um, some some great stars around him in terms of Rendon and Otani, uh, a catcher who can do both hitting and defensive side of things. We have a rotation that is showing the potential that they have. We have young superstars in the outfield, and we have Fletch locked up. and. Okay. So yeah. I think now's the time to build the team around Trout that you've been waiting See what we to got. do. Yeah, you've been waiting to do this for 10 years. Um in terms of Julio's question about the injury history, I'm not concerned and I know we talked about this last week. This is the first time that Trout other than some general soreness, this is the first time he's had a legitimate like, ooh, that shouldn't have happened injury because we talked mm. about this before in 2017 he jammed his thumb and was out for a long time because he jammed his thumb and he slid it it was an accident right yeah with this calf thing which you and I have talked about possibly being an Achilles thing yeah um it's the first time that he's had an injury where you're like oh that's just like a natural like something went wrong there's a breakdown that's a great point I think that there are moves you can make to protect him one of those being move him to left move him to right um get him out of the center field to get him off his feet. Um, Maybe on the days that Otani is pitching, you have Trout DH because Mm. uh, swapping Otani's bat for Trout on those kind of days I think would work uh, because, you know, six out of the seven days, you're going to have both of them in the lineup. Yeah. So I think that there are measures you can take to protect Trout. Um, He is getting older. He just turned 30 and injuries are going to happen but I think that there are measures you can take to protect him. And let's build, let's finally have the team that we want around Mike Trout, okay. make him the centerpiece and, and let's see how it goes. So I'm you not ready. Really good point. I'm not ready to jump the gun on that yet. So yeah, you make
0: a good point. <laughs> hey, before we get to the uh, announcers uh, record, we actually had another male bad question come in. Oh, no way. Um, I, I sent it in myself. <laughs> um, and so uh what? but it's a it's a question for you John, okay? So Saturday is SummerSlam and
1: <laughs> who you got?
0: John Cena or the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns?
1: I'm going with the head of the table. I'm going with uh Roman Reigns. That's good. That's good. That's the right answer. I'm more interested <laughs> I'm more interested to find out what happens in AEW over the next few weeks. I think we're going to see CM Punk and Brian Danielson in huh. not Daniel Bryan yeah brian danielson
0: brian danielson there was an for ad all of you that are all of you that are actually listening for angels content are like what <laughs> are they talking about right now <laughs> there was
1: a there was a aew ad at the yankee game behind home plate the other night i almost snagged uh-huh. a, a snapshot of it <laughs> nice nice <laughs> baseball and wrestling yes yeah all right Not hit me with colliding. those
0: announcer standings <laughs> Alright, so Maddie V, your boy is sixteen and twenty-three. Okay. And I he like has he called a game in the last month? P- I feel like he
1: hasn't been around. <laughs> Paging Mr. <at> Vascursion.
0: <laughs> Mr. Vascursian, you have a telephone call at the front desk. Uh Darren Sutton, twenty-nine and twenty-three. Rich Waltz, twelve and thirteen. Hey. Jose Moda, two and one. Yep. And then the Fox Saturday game, one and 0, which brings our record to sixty and sixty-one. <laughs> And if the Angels want to get to 91 wins, John, oh boy. there's still hope. There's there's still a possibility. Is With there? 41 games left, we have to go 31 and 10. Oh, my gosh. Just 21 games over you'd 500. Have to,
1: you'd, have, you'd have to go like, every four days, you'd have to go like 3 and 1 for that, to, for that yeah. to happen. Listen, rip off 10 in a row.
0: Rip off 10 in a row. Lose two. Then rip off another 10 in a row. Oh it's simple. Boy. Come on, guys. The A's can do it. Well, you, you can do, do it. it.
1: Exactly. Well, uh, Hey everybody, thank you so much for, uh, joining us for this episode. We know it was a little bit longer, but there was a lot to get to and we really wanted to answer your questions. So thank you for everybody who sent in questions for our mailbag. We really appreciate it. We love answering those questions. That'll be something that we, uh, we'll have to do more often, especially as we get into, uh, the off season, which is and
0: really great questions, by the way. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. And, and, and summer's almost over. And the off the end of the season's creeping around the corner, like it's it's crazy. I'm just glad that I'm glad we glad it's almost over. My pits are sweaty. <laughs> that wasn't necessary. That was oh sorry. That was just TMI. <laughs> uh, but again, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Spotify, please make sure you follow us there. And uh, if it's Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, like, rate, and review the podcast. And as always, you can find us at Super Halo Bros on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us uh, there, and and also check out Around the Diamond at Around the Diamond. They're a great group of content creators that we're part of, and we're proud to be uh, partnered with them. And uh, I think that about does it. What do you say? I love it. I think we did well. Thanks again for uh, the mailbag. That was great. Yes, absolutely. All right, you guys. Uh, until next time. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. All right. Go. Go change your shirt. (laughs) What stinks in here?